ESPN, Pinellas Park, W262CP, Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Moss Nissan. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. I sat and explained the gospel to a relative of mine who this person had tears in her eyes. Tears in her eyes when I explained the the gospel, the plan of salvation. And I said, would you like to receive the gift of eternal life now? And she said, I'd like to think about it. That's been a number of years she's still been thinking and her heart's become hardened to it. What a sad story. And it's even more sad because it's so common. There are many people who know the gospel as well as they know their own names, yet they choose not to put their trust in it. This is Verse by Verse, and it's a pleasure to have you listening today. Pastor Steve Kreloff is leading us in a series of lessons about the wonderful assurances in Scripture concerning eternal security in Christ. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, and today's broadcast comes from his early years at Lakeside. And that's why it may not sound as crisp as we'd like, but this is important stuff, so we worked hard to restore it so that we could share it with you. As we've been moving through this study, we've come to a passage of Scripture that probably troubles nearly every Bible student who believes Jesus' statement that his sheep will never perish. It's in Hebrews chapter 6. But let's back up a little to verse 12 of chapter 5. Here's Pastor Steve. At one time, the New Testament truths they heard were exciting to them. They had been stirred by the truth. They were moved by the truth. And they were open to the truth. But not now. Not now. Now it had become old stuff. They were spiritually lethargic. They were not excited about this. I know people like this. They hear the gospel. They get excited about it. Sometimes they get so emotionally excited. They're in tears. I've seen people at the altar like that. I've seen people who who pray even a prayer of salvation at that point. They are emotionally stirred by the message. They never heard anything quite as exciting as this. But they never accept Christ. And the more they're exposed to the gospel without receiving Christ, the harder they get. If you've ever tried to deal with a person like that, you know what I mean. I've heard people say, well, I accepted Christ when I was younger and it didn't help. Didn't do any good. And you try witnessing to a person like that. They don't want to have anything to do with it. They have heard the gospel so much without responding to Christ that that they are dull to it. It is no longer exciting. It's old stuff. They really aren't interested in it anymore. They may sit in church. They may converse with you. But they're not interested anymore. I saw this with a relative of mine. I sat and explained the gospel to a relative of mine who this person had tears in her eyes. Tears in her eyes when I explained the, the gospel, the plan of salvation, and I said, Would you like to receive the gift of eternal life now? And she said, I'd like to think about it. That's been a number of years she's still been thinking, and her heart's become hardened to it. Hopefully, it is not hard enough yet that she can't accept Christ, but there comes a point where it could be. Now, the writer goes on to explain more about their spiritual condition. Verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. They had been exposed to New Testament teaching for such a long time, such a length of time, that the writer says, you ought to be able to teach it by now. Now, that doesn't mean that they're Christians. He's just saying that that you've had so much of this truth 
that you ought to be able to, to teach people of it. Uh, I've met people like that. I visit uh, people who have uh, been to our church, and there occasionally I run across somebody who can tell me the plan of salvation, do a much better job of it. They can tell me where this verse is, and where this verse is, and where that is, and I want to turn to them and say, you ought to be teaching this. You're so good at it. doesn't mean they're a believer. They just have such a handle on the truth because they've heard it so much that they ought to be teaching it. They could be. It's an analogy. And that's what the writer is saying. He's saying, you have heard so much from the apostles and prophets and teachers that by this time, you could be qualified to teach. But they were so sluggish in the New Testament truth, the writer says, you need to go back to the basics of Old Testament truths. He said, you ought to technically be able to teach it, but you can't. It's not that you're just not a believer. You don't even understand the first principles of the oracles of God. You need to go back to the elementary principles of the oracles of God. Now, this does not refer to the gospel. Think of this. This is Jewish people. When you say to a Jewish person in the context of the first century, the oracles of God, is he going to think of the gospel? No. He's going to think of the Old Testament. That's the oracles of God. In fact, Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, says that unto the Jew was committed the oracles of God. Uh, no Jew would think of the gospel in this setting as the oracles of God. Think of the Old Testament. What he's saying is you need to go back to the basics of Old Testament truth. Not the gospel. And the word elementary means the first things, the very beginnings of something. In other words, the ABCs. And, the, and here he's saying the ABCs of Old Testament truth. If they understood the very basics of the Old Testament, then they would understand about how Christ is the fulfillment of its types and pictures. He says, how can you understand now New Testament truth? How can you wake up and become alert to New Testament truth and the truth of Christ's priesthood after the order of Melchizedek when you don't even understand about Melchizedek? And it's simple. That's not deep truth. You go to Hebrews chapter 7 and that's not deep truth. He said, you don't even understand the, the ABCs of your, of your old covenant. You need to look into see Spot Run, see Jimmy Jump, see Jane Run. You know, see. Oh, you need to go back to kindergarten. He's saying, you're not ready for graduate level because you have become sluggish. You become dull. Go back over the basic truths of, of Judaism. Now there are people like that, and there are many people like that. They've heard it so long; it's foggy to them. And you know that can happen to even believers. I was talking to somebody recently who has spent so many years backsliding and he doubted his salvation and his sister, who's a believer, uh, he just told me recently that his sister needed to go back over the plan of salvation with him and say, here's the very basics. Now, I don't think that's what this is referring to, but the principle is there. And this fellow said to me, he said, you know, it's a gift. I said, I know, isn't that great? It's a gift. Now, this person's been saved for years. But he needed somebody to go back over the, the very basics and say, you know, salvation's free. And, and he was rejoicing with me that it was free because he spent so many years being dull. But I believe that what he's saying here is that you're unsaved and you need to go back and understand the Old Testament and then you'll become more alert to New Testament truth. The writer says, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. I recognize that when we use the expression milk and not solid food, usually we're speaking in the context of Christians, right? But that's not what this is referring to. Milk and solid food doesn't necessarily mean Christian doctrine. Keep in mind, the writer is not comparing mature Christians with immature Christians. That's not what the book is about. 
1 Corinthians is about that, but that's not what this is about. Take it in its context. He's comparing two types of people, those who are unsaved and those who are saved, those who are still in Judaism and those who are Christians. Milk, in this setting, in this setting, is baby food for those still stuck in Judaism. That's the ABCs. That's the primer. That's kindergarten. Solid food or meat is for those who have accepted New Testament truth. That's the whole point of the book. Whole point of the book. Don't misunderstand. Don't read into this and, and interpret it in light of 1 Corinthians 3. It's, it's not dealing with that. 1 Corinthians 3, he's saying milk is for babes. But what? He says babes in Christ. Right? You see here in verse, in verse 13 or 14, when he's speaking of babes, do you see the expression babes in Christ? No. He's not speaking to people who are in Christ. He's just speaking to babes and mature. Let's, let's look at that. Verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now, a babe isn't always, doesn't always mean a Christian babe. It means someone who's immature. Someone who's immature. In fact, in Romans chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, it's, it, Paul is speaking to the Jew, the religious Jew, the Pharisee who is self-righteous, and he says, you pride yourself on being a teacher of the blind, a teacher of babes. Were they teaching Christians? No. They didn't, that's not the thing. He's just saying they're immature, they're infantile. And he's saying, you're infantile. For everyone who partakes only of milk, only of Old Testament Judaism, is not accustomed. Now, the word accustomed means inexperienced. Not inexperienced in the word of righteousness, for he is immature. Let me ask you a question. Can a Christian ever be inexperienced in the word of righteousness? Never. He may not always act righteous, but he understands righteousness, or else he's never come to Christ. When we receive Christ, we receive righteousness. We know something of righteousness. These people had never experienced righteousness, the word, the teaching, the truth about righteousness. How could that ever be a believer? He, didn't say, he, he doesn't say here that, uh, uh, that you know a little bit. He said you're inexperienced in it. The word of righteousness is the gospel. Romans chapter 1, that is the whole message of, of Romans. The righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. That's why Paul's not ashamed of it. But a Jew still stuck in the law of Moses trying to establish his own righteousness is inexperienced in true righteousness. What about verse 14? But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. The mature here refers to Christians. Those who have graduated from the ABC book of the Old Testament and now take in the solid food of the New Testament. The Christian is the one who has spiritual discernment to understand what is good and what is evil. We are the only people who really understand righteousness because we are experienced in righteousness. We know what's good and what's, what's evil. We may not always obey that, but we know what's good. And, and if we practice that enough, we, we grow in that and we mature and our senses discern these things. Now, I, I want to say something that's important, too, that as you look through the book of Hebrews, you see the word maturity or perfection. And I want to say that that is not used always, that is not always used in the Bible to refer to growing in maturity as a Christian would grow in maturity. Some places it is. In the book of Hebrews, it is used 
of, of salvation. The word perfection is teleos. It means completion or perfection. Most of the time, or many of the times in the New Testament, it means grow up, mature. Here it doesn't, and, and that's consistent throughout the book of Hebrews. For instance, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 14. And that's not right, and I'm missing my notes. Somewhere, oh, here it is. Okay, Hebrews 7, verse 11. Now, if perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, and he goes on to say, if it was, then we wouldn't need this and that. He's not using maturity. He wouldn't be saying if spiritual maturity was through the Levitical priesthood. He's saying if salvation was through the Levitical priesthood, then we don't need any other salvation. But it's not. He goes on to say in verse 19, for the law made nothing perfect. He's speaking of salvation. He's saying the law can't save. Law can't bring you to that perfection in the sense of, of righteousness before God's salvation. I think, I think a great verse to deal with this is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. For by one offering he has perfected, same word, for all time those who are sanctified. Is he saying he's matured us all? Are we all spiritually mature? No. Perfection in Hebrews is used in the sense of salvation. He's saying, for by one offering he, Christ, has brought us to salvation. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. So the picture is one of an intellectually convinced Jew who's never accepted Christ, he's rejected the gospel so long that he's become hardened to it, and he's so hardened that he needs a lesson in the basics of Judaism, because if he can't understand Judaism and its purpose and fulfillment as a foreshadowing of Messiah, then he will not accept Jesus as the Messiah. Now very quickly, as our time is moving on, don't put your Bibles away. We're not ready to quit yet. But very quickly, I want you to see the solution to the problem. The spiritual condition of these people is, is such. What's the solution? We won't be long in this. Verse 1. Therefore, based on this, based on the fact that this is where you are, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, perfection. Keep in mind salvation. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from, good work, from dead works and faith toward God. The first aspect of the solution is to leave. To leave. He says to leave something. What are we to leave? Certainly not the gospel. Are we ever to leave the gospel, the basics? No matter how mature you ever get in Christ, are you ever to leave the basics? I always have to come back to the basics. Never leave the basics. No, he's not saying leave the, leave the gospel. The elementary teaching about the Christ. Notice it doesn't say about Jesus. Elementary teaching about Messiah. The Messiah. The Christ. The word leave means to forsake, neglect, let go, separate yourself from, disregard. He's saying Forget Old Testament messianic truth and come on to the reality of the Messiah. Press on to salvation. Come a little bit further. Depart from the ABCs of, of the Old Covenant and come to Christ and the New Covenant. They were holding on to law and God says forsake it. Get rid of it. It's the same message he said in Galatians chapter 3. We have a tutor. The law was our tutor to lead us to Christ. It was a schoolmaster. But once you come to Christ, you don't need that anymore. Don't, don't go back. Come on further. And then he says, come on to maturity, which I told you means salvation. Now look at this. He goes into a number of things, and we'll very quickly go over this. He goes on to explain specifically what they are to leave. Now some have said this is, this is the basics of the Christian life. No, it's not. Let me show you. He says, first of all, here's what you're to, what you're to depart from. Repentance from dead works. Repentance is an Old Testament 
concept, repentance alone, I should say. John the Baptist preached an Old Testament message of repentance. We don't just preach repentance. We preach repentance and faith. We don't just preach repentance. Repentance is incomplete or immature without faith in Christ. Turning away from sin. We don't just say turn away from sin. We say turn away from sin to Christ. Repentance from dead works is Old Testament. Faith toward God. That's Old Testament too. Do we ever tell somebody just believe in God? Almost everybody here certainly and in, and in this community would say, I have faith towards God. I never tell someone believe in God. Many people believe in God and they're on their way to hell. That's an Old Testament message. Old Testament truth. But as Christians, we preach have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the access to God the Father. That's New Testament. How about instruction, he says, about washings? That's not baptism. This does not refer to New Testament baptism. It is correctly translated washings in Hebrews 9.10. It refers to Old Testament ceremonial washings. When you entered a Jewish home, they, the every Jewish home had a basin by the entrance for family and visitors to use and for ceremonial washings and cleansings. There's one washing that we have, and that's by the Lord Jesus Christ. One washing that we have. We are cleansed from our sins forever. And we don't need continual washings, ceremonial washings. We've been born again. We've been regenerated. By water and the Spirit, we have that one cleansing. Now, that's an Old Testament thing. We, we don't, you don't have basins in your home. We don't have that here. You don't need continual washings. If you know Christ, you're already clean, Jesus said in John 13. How about laying on of hands? What did that mean? Under the Old Testament sacrificial system, the person who brought a sacrifice would put his hands on it so as to identify with that sacrifice. Do we do that? We, by faith, lay hold of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God. We don't, we don't carry a little lamb around and put our hands on it. We don't do that. That's Old Testament. We don't, uh, this is not referring to apostolic laying on of hands. Old Testament term. We don't put our hands on a lamb anymore. Our identification with the, is with Christ now and by the Holy Spirit who, who baptizes us spiritually into the body of Christ. That's our identification. What about resurrection of the dead? You say, ah, this is taught in both Testaments. Yes, it's taught in both Old and New Testaments, but the Old Testament is so foggy about it. The explanation in the Old Testament is, is incomplete. We could say it's immature. In fact, as you look in the, throughout the Old Testament, there isn't a whole lot about resurrection from the dead. That's why, uh, one of the reasons why the Sadducees had such difficulties with this doctrine. Job teaches it. Daniel teaches it, yes, but it's not very complete. There isn't a whole lot about it. But in the New Testament, it's more fully developed in Christ because Jesus Christ is the resurrection and he is the life. And we have passages like 1 Corinthians 15, which gives us specifics about this doctrine. How about eternal judgment, he says, an eternal judgment. Once again, this is the Old Testament truth. It's New Testament truth, true, but in the Old Testament, it's often sketchy. It's not clear. In fact, basically, the Old Testament doctrine on this is punishment for the wicked and blessing for the godly. That, that's about it. There isn't a whole lot dealing with that. But the New Testament is filled with clear teaching about eternal judgment and condemnation. 
Listen, let me put it all together. The Spirit of God is exhorting these spiritually dull Jews to forsake Old Testament repentance and faith in God for New Testament repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's exhorting them to abandon Old Testament ceremonial cleansings for the once and for all cleansing that comes to us all that comes to Christ. He's telling them to forget the Old Testament animal sacrifices and come to the Lamb of God. He's telling them to move on from the incomplete Old Testament teachings about resurrection and eternal judgment and receive Christ who is the resurrection and the one who took their eternal judgment at Calvary's cross. That is what he's saying. And that's, as I understand, Hebrews chapter 6. The message is this. Move away from kindergarten and come up to graduate level. And the only way you do this is by accepting Christ. And let me tell you this. That's why in Hebrews chapter 7 he resumes speaking about Melchizedek. He is assuming that some of them will come to Christ and they will now understand about Melchizedek, and now he can go on teaching. They're not going to mature spiritually between one chapter, but they can instantaneously be saved, and when they do that, they will have a mind to understand Melchizedek and truth about it. And he says, as we close, verse 3, And this we shall do if God permits. His message is be saved. Leave the baby food. Leave the goo-goo stuff. Come to the new Testament truth, the deep truth, the complete truth of New Testament revelation is revealed in Christ, the solid food. And he says concerning this, we shall be saved if God permits. Now, if it were Christians and if it were just spiritual maturity, would God ever not permit a Christian to mature? No. But there are cases where God will not permit a person to be saved who has so hardened his heart because you can harden your heart to the, to the voice of God dealing in your heart that you no longer have any desire to hear him. And God isn't going to go against your will. You have so hardened your heart. I quote Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 through 11. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me in the day, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they did not know my ways as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brethren, lest there, there should be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart in falling away from the living God. Don't think that this this truth, this situation is limited to Jews stuck on Judaism. It's just as relevant to you and I today in the 20th century. If you've heard the gospel time and again without receiving Christ, you are in danger of coming to that point where you so harden your heart and fall away that it is impossible to renew you again to repent. You will not change your mind about Christ. That's what repentance is. You will not. You are confirmed in your unbelief. This is a most serious passage of Scripture. Not for Christians, it's for lost people. People who've come so far but stopped right at the edge of salvation. And the question is, could you be one of them? Could you be one of them? Jesus taught in the parable of the sower that there was some seed that fell on stony ground. And they sprung up for a while and there was emotional excitement, but because it had no root, when persecution came it gave way. And this is what was happening with these Jews. Could be happening with you. But listen, the Son of God still has an invitation to you. He said, Him that cometh to me I will never cast out. If you can come to him, then do it today. Don't delay. Don't delay, because if you delay, you are in danger of hardening your heart to the point that you will never 
come. You say, oh, I can wait. I can. Maybe you can. Maybe you can't. I wouldn't want to chance it. Like the writer to the Hebrews, I exhort you, you've come this far. Oh, you've come so far. You've, you've come to church time and again. Maybe you're a regular here. Maybe you're a visitor. I don't know. You've heard the gospel over and over again. And you realize that it's true. You don't have any intellectual hang-ups about it. You realize it's true. But don't stop there. Don't stop there. Come on a little bit further. Come to Jesus Christ for your personal salvation. If God is speaking to you about salvation, do not put off the decision. Not only is there incredible risk in delaying, you miss out on the amazing experience right now of enjoying a personal relationship with the Almighty who loves you like no one else can. If you feel the need to talk to someone about salvation, or if you'd like to request a CD with this whole three-part message, I have a phone number for you. It's 727-239-0306. Or send an email to contact at versebyverseradio.org. If you call after hours, leave a message with your daytime phone number. That number again is 727-239-0306. This is Jerry Peterson saying thanks for listening today to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse is listener supported, and we are grateful for and to those caring listeners who provide the prayers and the gifts that help fuel this ministry. We would never wish for anyone to support Verse.